Hi, my name's Nick Smith, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. Now, after three years, five flight instructors, and over $22,000 out of my bank account, I was finally able to achieve my dream and become a private pilot. Now, I have a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering and over 10 years experience as a flight test engineer. So if it was that difficult for someone like me, no wonder eight out of 10 student pilots never end up becoming a pilot. So this is why I created Part-Time Pilot, and this is why I'm creating this podcast. This podcast will be your audio ground school and just another way Part-Time Pilot is making flight training easier and more consumable for you. So with over 300 students and counting that have used our content to pass the FAA private pilot exams, I hope that you can use this podcast to become the next student to do so. So thank you and I hope you enjoy listening to the Part-Time Pilot Audio Ground School Podcast. Hi, this is Bree from Part-Time Pilot. There is no better way to wake up in the morning of a flight than with clear skies and a cup of hot, delicious coffee. And there is no better coffee than coffee straight from Nicaragua. And there is no better coffee for pilots than twin engine coffee. That's why I bought a custom pod for my Keurig and Nespresso machines and a coffee grinder just so that I could grind my own fresh Nicaraguan coffee beans from Twin Engine Coffee. It's so much better than those stupid K-cups or K-pods or whatever you call them. But right now you're probably like, why are you telling us about coffee? Well, it's because not only is it aviation-themed coffee straight from Nicaragua, but it's also coming from a great cause. Rather than taking all of the coffee beans out of Nicaragua to package and sell elsewhere, Twin Engine Coffee is headquartered in Nicaragua where they have created jobs for local community and have a mission to help reduce local poverty. So if you're a pilot and you like coffee, head over to TwinEngineCoffee.com PTP or with the link in the show notes to order fresh whole bean Nicaraguan coffee straight to your home today. Hey pilots, this is Nick again. Did you guys know that Part-Time Pilot now has a private pilot test prep book that you can buy on Amazon? It's a physical book that you can buy on Amazon to help prep for your FAA written exam. So it's like the other test prep books out there, you know, the Jepson, Asa, or the Gleam, Glim, however you pronounce it. It's just like those, but I called ours the ultimate private pilot test prep because not only does it give you a synopsis of each subject, like the cliff notes, like those other books do, and then it gives you FAA written questions to practice and quiz yourself on to, to prep for the test, but it also goes much, much further, and that's why we call it the ultimate private pilot test prep book. So for each subject, it also has a QR code so that as you're reading it, if you want more information, you can scan the QR code on your phone or your tablet and it will immediately pull up a YouTube video that you can watch on the subject. There's also QR codes in there for additional downloads, including FAA, PDFs, subject area checklists, and more PDFs from us that you can download for free. It also includes a coupon code and QR code where you can go enroll in online practice tests for free and receive the PDF version of the book 
book completely free. All that is with simple, easy to use QR codes inside the book. And then we also, not only does it have the cliff notes of all the information, but it also includes mnemonic devices and visual aids, such as diagrams, tables, and images that are labeled, such as like a METAR that is labeled every single thing that is included and deciphered in the METAR or a TAF. Also the performance chart, step-by-step labeled steps on performance calculation charts. So it's not just cliff note bullet points, it's that plus much, much more, these visual aids, all in 404 pages in the Ultimate Private Pilot Test Prep book. And it is only $37. So you can go check that out on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes. So go check it out. Hello, hello. This is Nick Smith, the host of the Audio Ground School podcast and owner and creator of Part-Time Pilot. Thank you guys for listening. I mentioned this last time, but if you guys could do me a huge favor and go ahead and subscribe no matter what podcast app you're listening to, even if it's on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe for me because it really helps us with the ranking algorithms and all that stuff. And so people, when they're searching for us, it's easier for them to find us when we have more subscribers. That's just sort of how it works, more subscribers and more ratings. So also if you give us a review, that would really help us out as well. Something like 70% of the people that listen to us aren't subscribed. So just do us a favor, help us out and actually helps you guys out. I know I like to subscribe to podcasts I listen to on a regular basis because at least on the iPhone and the Apple podcast, it'll automatically download the new episodes and alert me of them. So that way, if I'm about to get on a plane, I'll lose internet connection for a while. If I forget to download, it's nice that it automatically downloads the ones I'm subscribed to so that I have that to listen to on the airplane or whatever. So that's really helpful for me. I really like doing that. That's why I subscribe to the podcast I like. So do me a favor, help me out. And that would be a big bonus. So thank you guys for listening. As always, you guys are the best. And I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. So today, that's it for any announcements. Not really an announcement, but that's it. So we'll get straight into the lessons here. So we're in the online ground school, which is if you're following along, you're a member of Part-Time Pilot, go to your dashboard, go to my courses and click on step the course step one online ground school private pilot lessons now if you're not in the online ground school i highly recommend getting in there these audio lessons are going to be great but if you want the written lesson if you like to read to learn i'm that type of person or if you're a visual learner we have a bunch of mnemonic devices diagrams step-by-step examples diagrams breaking down these different concepts and then we have the videos in the ground school and then after each lesson of course we have the quiz to kind of make it interactive and test your knowledge on the go and then we get into the practice tests and custom report and all that which guarantees that you pass the fa written we still have not had someone not pass the fa written so if you're not in the online ground school i highly highly recommend that you join us so you can follow along and give yourself the best opportunity to learn this stuff making you a better pilot setting up for success on all your exams so once you do that go into your courses go to step one online ground school private pilot lessons and go to section seven on fundamentals of aerodynamics we are going to talk about lesson seven today on drag in the last couple episodes we covered things like forces of flight lift stalls spins weight thrust if you haven't listened to those especially the forces of flight and the lift and stalls ones those are really really important to having a fundamental understanding of the aerodynamics and you're going to get asked about a lot of that stuff on the fa written and your check right so 
if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and take a listen. They're very, very important. Today's episode is drag. There's a lot of different types of drag and how they manifest. So it's going to take a little bit long for that lesson. So I'm not sure we'll get into any other lessons, but if we do, the next lesson is on wake turbulence and ground effect. And after that will be left turning tendency. We start to get into how these aerodynamic things manifest in real flying and how you'll feel these different phenomena when you're flying. So that in the next lesson, not sure if we'll get to it today or next week. Let's talk about drag. Drag is the opposing force to thrust. Most people think of drag in a simplified way. So as the aircraft flies through the air, molecules of air have to get out of the way and change direction, right? They can't fly through the aircraft. They have to get out of the way. Whenever the air has to change direction, it creates a resistance against the aircraft. It it sort of bounces off of it. This is why you think of smooth, thin objects when you hear the word aerodynamic, because the smooth, thin object can slice through the air with the least amount of resistance. Another way to think about it is to stick your hand out of a car while on the highway. When you have your palm facing down such that the side of your hand is into the wind, it's easy to hold your hand in position. But when you have your palm into the wind, it's much harder to hold your hand in position. You can try this out the next time you're driving. While this is true, this is only one form of drag called form drag, which is a type of parasite drag. There are three types of parasite drag as well as a drag called induced drag. I will explain each of these in detail in this lesson. Drag is the force acting against aircraft motion and opposing thrust and is also a function of velocity. Just as lift is directly proportionate to airspeed, and again, if you missed that episode on lift, you really gotta check it out because you've gotta understand how lift works because drag works almost the exact or very similar way, and we're gonna talk about that here. Just as lift is directly proportionate to airspeed, so is drag. In fact, the equations for drag and lift are very similar. Now I have a note, a disclaimer here. The equations that we're going to talk about, the equations you see here for lift and drag, do not need to be memorized for the FAA private pilot written exam or your check right, nor do you need to know how to use them. However, understanding the different variables that affect the result of the equation can help lead you to understand the concept of drag better. So drag is almost the exact same. It looks the exact same as the lift equation with just one key difference. So lift was the coefficient of lift times density times velocity squared times wing area over two. Drag is the coefficient of drag times density times velocity squared times wing area over two. So the only difference is this coefficient of drag. From this equation, you can notice that density, velocity, and surface area affect the drag in the same ways that they affect lift. They're all on the top of that equation. So as each of those go up, the drag is going to go up. It's a coefficient of drag and it acts slightly different than the coefficient of lift as a function of angle of attack. Now remember, we talked about as angle of attack goes up, the coefficient of lift goes up or AKA lift goes up until it reaches a certain point. Remember it was a linear relationship, coefficient of lift with as the angle of attack goes up. Then when you reach that critical angle of attack, that lift drops off, the coefficient of lift drops way down because you've hit that critical angle of attack. So that's sort of the graph. And if you're in the online ground school, you can take a look at this graph. We have the coefficient of lift plotted with AOA in blue. And you can see that steady increase linearly until you get the max angle of attack, critical angle of attack, and then it drops off off suddenly. 
almost like a peak. Now the coefficient of drag line is shown in red and it increases with AOA, but it increases exponentially. So it starts off slow, a slow increase, slow increase, slow increase, but then it increases a lot more as you get to about 5, 10, 15, 20 degrees AOA. So the more you increase AOA, the more that increase in drag is. It's an exponential increase. And we show both of these here on this plot so that you can sort of see the relationship and how they're different and how they interact with the angle of attack differently. So from this plot, you can see that both drag and lift increase with an increase in AOA. However, the drag increases in a different trend than the lift. And because of this, there is an ideal range to operate the aircraft. This ideal range is often called the max L over D. L over D refers to the ratio of lift to drag or coefficient of lift to coefficient of drag, as you would see in the figure. That figure highlights the area where the ratio of lift to drag is a maximum. So you basically look at where the two lines, the line for coefficient of lift and line for coefficient of drag, and you find the biggest gap between the two. And that's the place where you're gonna have the most difference between lift and drag. You're gonna have the most lift over drag. And that's what you want. You wanna have as much lift as possible with as little drag as possible to fly efficiently as possible. So that max L over D is something that aerospace engineers and aircraft manufacturers really build their aircraft around and try to put that max L over D situation, have the aircraft operate in that situation as much as possible because it's going to burn less fuel, it's going to be more efficient, have a longer range and all that stuff. So the coefficient of lift was affected solely by the AOA. The coefficient of drag is affected by several factors because there are several factors of drag. So that is why you have a different sort of relationship between coefficient of drag and AOA and then coefficient of lift and AOA. There's more types of drag and they all interact with angle of attack differently. Now I have a video here that talks about what we talked about and shows this plot that we're talking about and explains what the max L over D is and drag and all that on this drag polar that we call it. So I'll put that video in the show notes for you guys to go ahead and check out so you can watch that video. The first form of drag I want to talk about is called parasite drag. Parasite drag is any of the forces that are working to slow an aircraft's forward movement. There are three forms of parasite drag. Form drag, interference drag, and skin friction drag. Form drag is a drag caused by the shape of the aircraft causing the air molecules to have to get out of the way. Remember, this was kind of your hand out the window that we talked about earlier. When most people think of drag, this is the type of drag that they think of. The more the air has to change direction, the more form drag is created. An aerodynamic object is designed to decrease form drag. For example, a flat plate facing directly into the free stream would have a great amount of form drag. While on the other hand, an airfoil would have a considerable, an aerodynamic airfoil would have a considerable amount less. You can also think of this as like a a Mack truck right or a a jeep driving down with a jeep if you've ever driven on the highway with a jeep going 60 70 you can really feel that wind rather than driving in something like a sports car that's going to be lower to the ground thinner more aerodynamic this is basically the difference between this flat plate and this airfoil that we're talking about now i have a picture of these the flat plate and airfoil in sort of like a wind tunnel situation and you can see the streamlines of air and you can see they're attached to the airfoil they follow the 
shape of the airfoil above and below. And on the flat plate, because there's such jagged, it's not smooth, it's just a jagged drop off of angles on this flat plate like you would have on a Jeep. The air can't stay attached to the shape and it, it gets turbulent, it has a lot of vortices behind it and that's turbulent flow and that's going to cause drag. That turbulent flow is going to cause force vectors in all sorts of directions that are not in the directions that we want and it's going to cause drag. So those figures in the online ground school, this image that compares the two, shows how much easier and smoother it is for air to get out of the way and return to its original streamline when flowing over an airfoil rather than a flat plate. So in this figure, the airfoil has a considerable amount less form drag. The next drag is interference drag. Interference drag is a drag caused from intersecting lines of airflow. There are several surfaces on the aircraft that cause air to deflect in different directions, such that some of these deflections will end up intersecting with one another. So now, before, when we're talking about form drag, we're sort of just looking at the two-dimensional view of air flowing over an object, right? We're just looking at a 2D picture of it, the air flows above or below, an airfoil or a flat plate. Now in interference drag, we have to start thinking of the 3D. Not only can it fly, go above and below an object, but it can also go around the aircraft fuselage. It can go to the left or to the right, depending on the surface that it's interacting with and stuff like the wash of the propeller, for example. So one example is the spiraling slipstream that comes off of the propeller. It swirls around the fuselage and intersects with air flowing smoothly over the top of the fuselage and the wing. So if you're having trouble visualizing this, we have a spiraling slipstream from the propeller shown in red around an aircraft. It's sort of wrapping itself, spinning around an aircraft. It's got this sort of more turbulent flow and it's kind of intersecting with these smooth free stream air airlines that are flowing over our wings and our fuselage. And that's disrupting that flow and that is going to cause some drag as well. So that's called interference drag. The next one is called skin friction drag. We briefly spoke about the friction between air molecules and the surface of the wing and how it contributes to an airflow staying attached to a wing surface and creating a boundary layer when we discuss lift. So remember we said, okay, why is it that the air stays sort of attached and matches the shape of an airfoil? And that is because something called skin friction. So we'll talk about this here in a little bit more detail. So every surface on an aircraft, including the wings, has a certain amount of roughness at the microscopic level. So even though we can feel an aircraft wing and it feels smooth to us. That's because the level of detail that we can feel is not at the microscopic level. But if we were to look at that surface of the wing in a microscope, we'd be able to see all the jagged paint brush strokes and all that stuff. And there'd be gaps and valleys in the paints. And it would actually look really, really rough. It would look like a mountain range, a jagged mountain range, if we were to look at it at the microscopic level. And that's the viewpoint of a molecule of air. It has to go over this wing. It has to traverse up and around and through these jagged valleys of these paint chips and metal chips at the microscopic level. This this roughness causes the air molecules that come in contact with it to stick to the surface. They sort of get stuck in these valleys and peaks at the microscopic level. When the molecules stick to the surface of the aircraft, it creates skin friction drag, right? So in one sentence or in one side of the story, we have skin friction drag, you know, skin friction helping us keep this airflow, these molecules attached to the wing. It creates this boundary layer, right? So when the air flows over the wing, it kind of keeps it attached to the shape of the wing because of 
of that friction with the microscopic imperfections on the wing. But at the same time, right, when these air molecules flow over and they get caught there, it's actually, it's slowing the aircraft down because these molecules are running into the aircraft at the microscopic level. And that for thousands and thousands and thousands and millions and millions and millions of little molecules hitting the skin of your aircraft builds up into something a little bit considerable in a form of drag. And that's called skin friction drag. So imagine sticking your hand just over the top of a flowing stream of water. The roughness and absorbent behavior of your skin is going to cause the water molecules to stick to your hand. This is why when you pull your hand out, it's wet. Now imagine you could calculate the velocity of the water at different distances from your hand. Far away from your hand, the stream is unaffected and it's just flowing along, doesn't care that your hand is barely on the surface. It's completely unaffected. It's at free stream max velocity. However, once you get to within the range of a few millimeters from your hand, the flow of water is going to change and its velocity is going to be reduced. The closer you get, the lower the velocity of water molecules are going to be until you get to the molecules that are directly stuck to your hand, making your hand wet with zero velocity. The same thing is occurring all over the surface of an aircraft. And we have a really cool picture that I'm kind of proud of that I created that shows this. It's almost like it has an airfoil and it's got these streamlines of air going over the airfoil. But then I have this circle like we're zooming in looking with a microscope and we see these little dots, these air molecules that are flowing along just fine in the free stream velocity. But as you get closer and closer to the surface, it starts to get less than free stream velocity. These molecules sort of starting to get, you know, bumped out of position. They're not traveling in a straight line over it anymore. They have to kind of go up and over these little valleys until you get to the very surface and there's actually molecules with zero velocity getting stuck onto the surface in these little microscopic pockets. So that's a really good image to sort of visualize what we're talking about here and that is skin friction drag. So to review, we have parasite drag, we have three types. We have form drag, we have interference drag, and we have skin friction drag. So form drag is just based off the shape of the object flowing through the air. Interference drag is caused by different streamlines of air intersecting with one another. So when you have different sort of mechanisms like on an aircraft where you have the propeller and then you have the wings, you have different types of air flowing off those and they can intersect with each other and cause some drag. And then you have skin friction drag, which everything is going to have at the microscopic level. It's going to have imperfections and not be smooth at the microscopic level, which actually is going to slow down the air molecules and cause some drag. So those are the three types of parasite drag. I have a video also that explains these and shows these visuals. So I will put that in the show notes for you guys to watch as well. The three types of parasite drag and how they work. That's the name of the video. So I will put that in the show notes for you guys. The other type of drag. So we had three types of parasite drag, but we have a type of drag called induced drag. Induced drag is a drag caused by lift. What? Drag caused by lift? That sucks. Yeah, that's why it's called induced. It's induced by lift sort of a byproduct of lift. So although aircraft are designed to produce as much lift as possible, this lift comes at a price. The more lift that is created, the more induced drag that is created. How is this so? Remember when we discussed how lift was created by the turning of free stream flow and the creation of a pressure differential between the areas below and above the wing? Well, we know that areas of high pressure want to reach areas of low pressure. In the case of a wing, this cannot happen directly up or down because the surface of the wing is in the way. So the low pressure above the wing and the high pressure below it. So the high pressure cannot get 
to the low pressure above it by going through the wing. It has to sort of wait towards the end of the airfoil, the end of the wing to meet back up and join into that low pressure area. You know, either the start of the wing or the back of the wing. It can't go through the wing. So it can happen at the trailing edge or at the end of the wingtips where these two areas of air meet up. So when you have wherever the air on top of the wing and the air below the wing meet up, you have this sort of mixing of high pressure and low pressure air. The high pressure air under the wing gets sucked up to the low pressure area above the wing at both the trailing edge and the wingtips where the wing ends, right? All the points where the wings end, not the wingtips or the trailing edge, that's where the high pressure gets sucked into the low pressure and you get that mixing. Because of this, the flow of air tends to go towards the trailing edge and wingtips because it's, it's going where it can, where the high pressure can meet the low pressure. Once high pressure wants to go to low pressure. This flow of air causes vortices to occur at the wingtips. As the air flows off the wingtip, it turns upwards and beyond the tip of the wing before turning upside down and in, inward, to create a downwash inside and behind the trailing edge of the wing. So let me repeat that. As the air flows off the wingtips, it turns upwards beyond the tip of the wing before turning upside down. So it's like a spiral. It's going up and then turning back down so it's starting this vortice to create a downwash inside and behind the trailing edge of the wing so by the time it's off the trailing edge of the wing it's sort of pointing down it, it's looped around in this vortice and it's sort of pointing down if that's hard for you to visualize we have a figure that shows a visual example in the online ground school of how this downwash caused by the two areas of air with different pressures meeting at the wingtips. It causes this net downwash that results in a drag on the aircraft called induced drag. So you get high pressure meeting low pressure, swirling into the low pressure, creating these vortices at the wingtips that propagate behind the wing and create a net downwash. This downwash, it's going down, right? And it's against the direction of the aircraft. It sort of is pulling the aircraft down almost like an anchor. If you were to put a little bit of an anchor on your aircraft, it's going to slow your aircraft down. And that is what induced drag is. It's sort of like adding a little weight to the back of your wings and kind of slowing your aircraft down. That net downwash off the back caused by those vortices is induced drag. And the more lift you have, the bigger those vortices will be. And you can actually see these wake vortices and hear them. I actually did a video on TikTok TikTok where you can actually hear these vortices if you stand on these big aircraft. So we're talking about these big jets because they have to, they're big and heavy. So like, you know, these Boeing jets, so they have to create a lot of lift. So they have a lot of big vortices off their wings, right? So they have a lot of induced drag and these vortices propagate downwards to the ground and you can actually hear them like ripping through the air. I will try to get, maybe I can add in some sound here of that so you guys can listen to that, but it's really cool. You can actually see some cool videos of these if you get a perfectly like low visibility day or one of these aircraft is tra traveling through some low level clouds you can actually see them through the clouds which is really really cool and then this will go into our next lesson that we're going to talk about with wake turbulence because that's actually from these big jets it's actually really dangerous to get sucked up or caught up as a small aircraft in these these vortices so we'll talk about how they propagate off a wing we're going to talk about more about that and the dangers of these from these big aircraft but before we get to that i just want you to to sort of note and summarize that induced drag it's a byproduct of lift
lift. The more lift you have, the more induced drag you're going to get. And it's because the, the same mechanisms that create lift create induced drag. It's the low and high pressure areas above and below the wing. The more you do that, the more at the end of the wings, you know, the, the trailing edge and the wingtips are going to mix with more force and more pressure differential. They're going to create bigger vortices trailing off the wing. And these vortices create a net downwash, which sort of acts as an anchor to the aircraft and slows it down. So that's where you get the, this induced drag that is a byproduct of lift. Now, the last thing I, I want to talk about here, and I have a video on induced drag, which has some cool images of what you can see and visualize off these big aircraft. So go and I'll put that in the show notes as well. So you can check out that video. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is how a pilot feels drag. If in level flight and the aircraft's in power is reduced, the thrust will be lessened and the aircraft will slow down. Since the thrust is less than the drag, the aircraft will continue to decelerate. However, drag is a direct function of airspeed just as lift is. As the airspeed decreases, so does the drag. So the aircraft will continue to slow until the thrust is again equal to the drag and the aircraft's airspeed will stabilize. This is precisely what is happening when you are flying and reduce your engine power. The airspeed will decrease until drag and thrust are once again in equilibrium. However, your lift is also reduced with a loss in airspeed and you will need to pitch up in order to maintain the right amount of lift to counteract weight. If you were then to add power again, the airspeed would increase, but so would the drag. The thrust would at first be more than the drag causing your aircraft to accelerate. However, the drag will eventually catch up and equal the thrust causing the aircraft to reach a constant airspeed. So it's sort of just, again, it's this balance of forces, this battle of the forces, drag versus thrust, lift versus weight. It's a constant battle. And every time you change something in the aircraft, you add more power to the engine, create more thrust. This battle starts happening and they all sort of catch up with each other until you get back into equilibrium. So it's all about manipulating those forces the way we want them to, to get the aircraft to do what we want to do, either speed up, slow down, climb or descend. All right. I just kind of want to put that in there to give you guys why do pilots care that much about drag? We could totally probably just forget about drag and it would probably be okay, but it describes what you're feeling. And when you change pitch or you change power, it describes what is happening to your aircraft and why it is doing what it's doing. So it is important to know. And it's a cool thing to know. I think it's a pretty interesting topic. Obviously, I'm an aerospace engineer, so I've been drawn to it for a while. But maybe you don't think it's as cool as I do. But it's important to know. And I'm glad you guys got through this episode. I think we're going to call it quits here. Now, the next lesson is going to be wake turbulence and ground effect, which sort of combines everything we just learned. We talked a little bit about wake vortices and wake turbulence. So coming off these big aircraft, you get these big vortices that cause induced drag. So we're going to talk about how that affects us from other aircraft and how that could be dangerous. And we're also going to talk about ground effect. What happens when we're close to the ground, when we're just taking off or just landing? Why does it feel different? Why does our aircraft buoy upwards when we come down to land if we're too fast? Those things. So these are phenomenal that you're going to feel in your aircraft and have to watch out for. And we're going to explain those in terms of the things that we just learned. And these are things that you're going to need to be able to explain to your examiner or on the FAA written exam. 
And then we'll probably also get it in the lesson nine on left turning tendency. All right, so that's it. Again, if you haven't subscribed or left us a review yet, it would really help us out no matter what podcast app you're on. Please do that. I hope you guys are enjoying these lessons. They're absolutely free and I'm gonna keep them that way to help you guys out. You can listen to this to supplement your training and whatever you're doing. So hopefully you guys are appreciative of that and like what you hear because I'm gonna keep going whether you like it or not, actually. (laughs) And then finally, if you're not in the online ground school, you're missing out, people. So come join us. We got a great community, and we're there to hold your hand and help you achieve your dreams. So we're there for you. So, all right, I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Hey guys, it's Nick. I want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times, and then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, it's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. If we do have to think about these things, it's going to put us behind mentally and we're going to be behind the aircraft. And when you're behind the aircraft mentally, bad things happen. And this happens when you don't have a good understanding of the ground school content. So now the first 10 to 15 hours of your flight training can go smooth, even if you don't have a good understanding of ground training, right? You can go up for a discovery flight, have a blast. You can go up, learn how to take off, learn how to land. You may be even able to solo for the first time fly a plane for the first time everything's great and dandy but once you get into you know bad weather flying or flying at heavy heavily trafficked airports or speaking with atc for bravo clearance or cross-country flight planning and flying solo on a cross-country flight things get a little more advanced and when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts you're gonna hit a wall you're gonna start to get behind the aircraft and when this happens If you have a good flight instructor, they're going to stop you and they're going to say, okay, we need to do one-on-one ground lessons. And now you're going to be paying your flight instructor to not even fly with you, but instead $50, $60, $70 an hour to just teach you the ground school content that you should already know. And and the worst part is, is you're not flying with them. So the flight training that you gain, the currency, the proficiency that you gain is going to be lost and you're going to have to redo those lessons. What happens to most student pilots is they 
continuously hit these mental blocks where they get behind the aircraft, they start making mistakes, and then they catch up with the ground knowledge only to have that happen again. And they start to get in this vicious cycle of having to redo trainings and repay for trainings until it gets to the point where them or their family, they finally say, you know what, this has to stop. We can no longer afford the training costs uh, without any progress, you know, and they end up quitting. Now, so how do we avoid that? Well, here comes part-time pilot. Again, I said I went through my own experience of this and I realized that most flight training and ground training is not tailored to the modern day student pilot. And when I say modern day student pilot, I should say modern day part-time student pilot because let's face it, there's a very small percentage of us that can go and dedicate 24-7, 365 to our flight training or not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And so how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern day student pilot? Well, the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You wanna avoid being boring, you wanna avoid that burnout. So how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways. And you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic. Again, tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot. Or you can read through our written lessons. You know, I like to read, so for those of you that like to read, you can read through the lessons. You can see the step-by-step examples and the procedures that we have. Or you can look through our study guide and see our diagrams and mnemonic devices. Have that visual cue, those visual cues and aids that help further your understanding. Or you can watch our videos. Or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally, you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally, you can utilize our group community to form study groups, get questions answered 24-7. All of this is tailored for the modern day student pilot to keep ground school interesting, keep it from being boring, keep from having that burnout, and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA checkride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts, the way we explain things in plain written English, and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested in and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on Online Ground School, and we'll see you inside the Online Ground School. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.